Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, we look at Marxist-inspired organizations looking to exploit the coronavirus pandemic to fundamentally transform America's largely private housing market. We expose the institutional foundation behind the curtain of the national pro-abortion movement, and we take a 30,000-foot view of the rising militancy of big philanthropy and how it powers the broader left. It's an infamous quote for a reason. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. Uttered by then-Obama White House Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel, the quip underlines a common left-wing tactic. Use a temporary crisis or a natural disaster to secure permanent fundamental transformations in American social and political life. The latest left progressive cause to try to carry out that maxim is the housing guarantee, a frankly Marxist scheme to convert coronavirus pandemic rent relief measures into government control and even ownership of the whole housing market. The plan is simple, to quote one radical left activist. My duty as an organizer is to leverage this crisis into the clear case for a homes guarantee, the establishment of housing as a public good, and a guarantee of a safe, accessible, and sustainable home for everyone. So what does a homes guarantee entail? My colleague Robert Stilson has read the briefing papers and organizing guides put out by Homes Guarantee, a project of the Radical Left People's Action Institute's lobbying arm, and the Housing Justice National Platform a project of five radical left groups, and it contains the usual laundry list of central planning and pie-in-the-sky thinking. Housing Justice National Platform demands building the equivalent of one new taxpayer-funded housing unit every 30 seconds, nonstop, for 10 years, enacting explicitly race-based housing policies, quote, including principal reduction in zero-interest loans to black and brown communities, banning profit-driven speculation, and enacting a Green New Deal to construct and replace housing units with union wage labor. For good measure, both Homes Guarantee and Housing Justice National Platform have explicitly tied their radical left demands to the coronavirus pandemic. And lest one think that this is a case of bored academics with too much time on their hands or angry activists, look to the funding of the radical left groups pushing the platforms. The Ford Foundation, one of the largest U.S. philanthropies and a major funder of the institutional left, funded the chief organization pushing the Housing Justice National Platform. And each entity is itself a coalition of up to dozens of other left progressive and radical left organizations. What does this all mean? Stilson argues three points. First, two organizations that appear wholly separate from one another by virtue of different names, websites, and slightly tweaked missions might really be two campaigns run behind the scenes by the same advocacy group or coalition, artificially inflating the apparent support for often radical ends. Second, a national homes guarantee rests upon multiple flawed premises. Foremost, that your government should also be your landlord, whether officially or de facto, through exorbitant regulation. And finally, Americans should be deeply wary of attempts to turn temporary solutions to a temporary problem into permanent expansions of federal, or state or local, government power. We've mentioned the Susan Thompson Buffett Foundation on this show before, but it's worth examining the Warren Buffett-funded abortion advocacy behemoth in depth as my colleague Hayden Ludwig does this week in a series for CapitalResearch.org titled Terror of the Unborn. The headline finding is stunning. The Susan T. Buffett Foundation has poured about $4 billion into supporting abortion advocacy, abortion performing, and pro-population control organizations. In 2018, it gave $100 million more in grant money than the itself massive Ford Foundation. The left-wing media outlet Vox explains the consequences of Buffett's billions for what liberals euphemistically call reproductive rights. Quote, If you could snap your fingers and rid the world of billionaire philanthropists instantly, hundreds of millions of women worldwide would lose access to contraception. 
Of course, Warren Buffett, the famously frugal billionaire investor who bankrolls the STBF, prefers to stay out of the spotlight for his abortion access and advocacy funding. A 2006 NPR profile said, quote, You mean you didn't know Warren Buffett's foundation has been funding abortion rights organizations? Well, that's just the way the Buffetts wanted it. And he's been supporting abortion since even before the Supreme Court ordered its nationwide legalization in the Roe v. Wade case. Warren's business partner, Charles Munger, convinced Buffett to help fund the legal case of an abortionist challenging a 1960s-era ban on the practice in California that pointed the way to Roe in left progressive legal analysis. Buffett's late wife, Susan, for whom the foundation is named, was a staunch advocate of population control, a cause her surviving husband also strongly endorses. According to the Buffett's daughter, Susie, who chairs STBF, population control is what my father has always believed was the biggest and most important issue. So that will be the foundation's focus. Warren Buffett has also funded his personal friend and fellow mega-billionaire Bill Gates's population control efforts through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with Buffett pouring $5 billion into the Gates's mega-foundation. STBF's most notable effort might have been the campaign to develop and obtain FBA approval for the abortion pill Mifepristone, also known as RU486. Buffett's foundation and the Buffett-funded Gates Foundation have later put tens of millions behind Gynuity, which is developing a second-trimester abortion pill. STBF also funds the Arabella Advisors Network of Liberal Dark Money. It has given nearly $30 million to Hopewell Fund, an Arabella-managed charitable nonprofit that funds, among other things, resources for abortion delivery, a pro-abortion advocacy group that opposes regulations on the practice. And while Warren's billions for abortion and population control should be concerning, the STBF structure is in some ways a testament to pro-life activism. In the early 2000s, Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway holding company stopped its corporate philanthropy after a rare right-leaning shareholder resolution opposing the company's pro-abortion giving was adopted. Warren Buffett then had to move his giving into his personal activity after that decision. With big philanthropy bankrolling a campaign against private home ownership and expanded abortion access at home and abroad, perhaps it's time to consider, quote, checking the power of progressive big philanthropy. Michael Hartman and William Shambra, conservative philanthropic professionals and editors of Giving Review, disclosure, Michael Hartman also directs the Capital Research Center's Center for Strategic Giving, make that argument at the American Conservative. They argue, and I quote, most Americans think of philanthropy or charity as benevolent activity undertaken among neighbors and fellow worshippers within small local organizations intended to alleviate immediate human needs, the sort of vibrant voluntarism celebrated by Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America. But the commanding heights of American philanthropy today are occupied by massive, well-heeled institutions that have nothing but contempt for that activity. Today, the belief that philanthropy should be deployed to solve problems once and for all is no less powerful. But perhaps reflecting frustration with a century of failed social programs, this belief no longer implies the application of technical knowledge by experts. Instead, the philanthropic ideal is manifested in an effort to bring about deep structural change within society, challenging what are seen to be fundamental institutional injustices of the economic and political orders. In the words of Darren Walker, president of the Ford Foundation, one of the most towering pillars of liberal establishment philanthropy in the United States, it's time to move from generosity to justice. But does the public trust big philanthropy, as influenced as it is by left progressive trends such as decolonizing wealth and pursuing often radical left progressive policy aims? An independent sector survey put foundations far behind everyday people as best positions to solve social problems, and prior research has found that most people contribute their own money to local charities, not system change advocacy groups. Meanwhile, Shamber and Hartman note, 
Every gathering of philanthropic professionals resounds with the cry that now is the time to push for a new era of social justice by whatever means necessary. And those means clearly include as much politics as foundations can get away with. And given that nominally charitable public policy giving favors left progressives by at least 3 to 1, depending on how you count, it could be as high as 10 to 1, the result is a left-shifting public arena. So what is to be done? Chamber and Hartman offer three possibilities. Tighter scrutiny of philanthropic activities by regulators and Congress, creating a pressure group to promote conservative aims in philanthropy modeled on the social justice left's National Committee for Responsive Philanthropy, or changing regulations governing the rate at which foundations must pay out grants, possibly requiring that foundations spend down entirely by a certain time, known as sunsetting. Chamber and Hartman conclude arguing, People should, of course, feel free to pursue whatever understandings of justice they see fit, including those championed by Darren Walker and others further to his left. But those pursuits should take place within the realm of politics, where disputations about the meaning of justice have always occurred. You can read their full essay at theamericanconservative.com, titled Checking the Power of Big Philanthropy, which will be linked in the show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe to on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.